The reason, you know, I asked uh, Pastor Preji this question is I just wanted to hear from him, you know, what his response is going to be like when I, and I questioned him about, are you sure you want me to be there? And what I did not tell him is that for the last six and a half to seven months, God has been stirring in our hearts uh, a word for 2022, right? And, and it's crazy that I have, uh, I have shared this word with just my leadership, Pastor. Uh, our Vision Sunday for the church is coming up in, in, uh, in two, mo- uh, two weeks' time. And uh, the reason I, get, I got excited is because the word that the Lord dropped in my heart for 2022 is revival. And, and I don't take it coincidence. I don't know if you believe in coincidence, but I love God moments. And I get super excited about this. And I was waiting for, for, to, to share this with Pastor Preji that, you know, what we have, what, what somebody can be praying for in one corner and God can reveal to some person and kind of this union that happens. This is not coincidence. This is the will of God coming into action, right? And, and what I want to, sh- the reason I want to kind of share this with you is maybe you have been a part of those conversations which, which are concerning your life. You have been caught up in those conversations, in those moments where certain things like this have been happening. And you have been saying, oh, no, it's, I think it's just another coincidence. Maybe, but I think, can you just revisit those parts and just check if it is God who's nudging you? If it is God who's kind of, you know, trying to bring into alignment. So the theme that we are going to be venturing out into 2022 is called Aligned for Revival. You know, and I just want to, I, I feel like I just want to share this with you that that everybody in this room is a dreamer. Now, that's, that's a good part, right? Now, here's the more exciting part. A dreamer needs to be aligned to his or her dream. Let me, let me rephrase that. A dreamer needs to be aligned to his or her God dream. You know, because you can dream so many things. We all love dreaming things. I mean, just 25 minutes back, this room was filled with dreams and, and ideas and, and forums. And we were in this room. And, and what I loved about it is, yes, there was, there was some things that we were not sure of. But I loved the excitement and the urgency and the sense of expectation that was building up as you guys were working on it. And that's what I want to tell you, that alignment is so important when it comes to revival. And what I want to, what I want to bring to you is... I am passionate to see young people being saved. I'm passionate to see young people accept Jesus Christ, run their race, and give their best of their, of their life moments to see the kingdom of God being expanded. And with that in mind, we kick-started Zealous. We kick-started Zealous in, in a space because uh, God really challenged me. Ninat, I want you to go after the urban, affluent folks in your cities. And, and I don't have, I, I love that past, uh, not, not because I hate the other side of, of rural and semi-urban uh, work and the missions that has been happening. India for the longest time has been working and, and pioneering some incredible mission work in the rural and semi-urban space. But it's time for people like you and me to dream those dreams of what it would look like to influence tomorrow's policymakers. 
You and me need to get in the room and start having conversations of what it's going to look like for you and me to influence people in the media space, in the education space, in the political space, in, in the leadership space. You know, it's high time that the church of Jesus gets into the mountaintop spaces that you and me have been hearing about for the longest time. And, and I wanna, what I want to do is I want to kind of rip a part of few things that the church has been doing, including myself, you know. I consider myself a part of the church. And what I want to challenge you is, every now and then when we talk about evangelism, we get excited, right? We, we, we love hosting crusades. We love hosting conferences. We love hosting conversations about evangelism. But how many of us have walked out of those conversations or those crusades Wanting to know, okay, what exactly is going to look like? Can I, can I get a glimpse of that? Can I get a glimpse of that? And I want to kind of just go back to, to, the, to the scripture that I want to refer to this evening. And I'm call, I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on this talk that I've called Food, Pots, and Fields. Food, Pots, and Fields. And we'll be reading from John 4, verses 27 to 42. And this is a conversation that uh, you would have heard, read, studied, meditated on for so many years or months or decades. I don't know. But I hope we can see something fresh in this side. This is a conversation of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Let's read 27 onwards. Just then his disciples came and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. However, no one said, what are you asking about or why are you talking to her? Then the woman left her water jar and went into the city and began telling the people, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed? So the people left the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to have a meal saying, Rabbi, eat. But he told them what? I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anybody bought him something to eat? Peter, did you just swiggy an order for Jesus without telling me? You know, it's, it's probably one of those conversations. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. Do not say it is still four months until the harvest comes. Look, I say to you, raise your eyes and look at the fields and see that they are white for the harvest. Somebody say, raise your eyes. Raise your eyes. And say, look at the fields. They are white for the harvest. Already the reaper is receiving his wages and he is gathering fruit for eternal life. So that he who plants and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One person sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap a crop for which you have not worked. Others have worked and you have been privileged to reap the results of their work. Now many Samaritans from that city believed in him and trusted him as savior because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me all the things I have done. And so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to remain with them. And he stayed there for how many days? Somebody say that aloud, please. Two days. Many more believed in him with a deep and an abiding trust because of his word, his personal message to them. And they told the woman, 
We no longer believe just because of what you said. For now, we have heard him for ourselves and know with confident assurance that this one is truly the savior of all the world. Like I said, John 4 is, is one of the famous go-to passages when we have to learn about evangelism, right? We, we have read this so many times. It's like, it's like, I don't know if you guys like having steak. Uh, I know there are some Bangalore peeps in the, in the room tonight. Uh, we, the Pune guys got excited when Toit opened up in Pune. You know, uh, they, they say that Toit has one of the best steaks. Uh, I tend to disagree, but since you guys are from Bangalore, I'll just give in and say, okay, maybe, maybe it's one of the best steaks. And, and you know, the, the, there was this week when, when I got an opportunity to try steaks from three different restaurants and Toit was one of them, right? And every time you try eating steak, you, you seem to kind of fall in love with it slowly, Right? Like, so, so I, I, I made sure that I, d I write down, because there's very few moments in my life when I get excited about food. Because for me, food is good or it's bad. But for, for my wife, food is good and then starts a list of things. Food is okay and then starts a list of things. And then food is bad and then starts a list of things. And when we sit down in a restaurant, I just have to tell her, okay, let me please take the first bite before you go on, on a commentary. Because she loves, you know, enjoying her food that much. And, and I had this one of these rare moments where I got excited where, okay, this is three different experiences in just one week. I need to pen this down. So the first steak that I tried, I wrote this down just so that I don't mess it up when I'm sharing this with you. The first one was like so tender. And it was kind of really light on the palate. I feel like my wife was talking now. Uh, second one, you know, it was, it was marinated so well with just about the right mix with all the ingredients. It was specially made. It was a Korean barbecue steak. I remember that one. And the third one was probably the most juiciest steak I'd ever eaten. And that was a toyed one, which is why I said, you know, it's, it's good. John 4 is like that when you and me learn to meditate on it. Every time we, we chew on that word, there's a different flavor that comes out. Sometimes it, it, it loves, it tastes like the Korean barbecue. Sometimes it's like the toy. Sometimes it's like the really meat that we just need for that day. That, that's my description of John 4. Is that okay? Right? And what I want to talk to you tonight is just this conversation between Jesus and the woman is so fascinating at so many levels. We have heard this, we have studied this, but as leaders, I want us to see some of the things that we might have missed in, in the light of just seeing an entire town being saved, right? Now, if you start reading John 4, what was Jesus supposed to do? He, he was just planning to pass through Samaria. You remember that one? He was not planning to stick around over there. And what I wanted to, the reason I've, I've highlighted these three words, pots, fields, and food is because that's what we're going to be focusing on. See, the woman, when, when Jesus starts having conversation with this woman, you know, she tries to kind of uh, all of a sudden come across this spiritual, you know, this religious person tries to strike a religious conversation with, with Jesus, saying, yeah, my ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Do you know about it? Like, how many of you have tried to have that conversations with God? You know, when, when God is trying to ask you, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, God, I just went to church. Um, I just heard the recent sermon. 
I prayed for so many hours. But the actual question is, how are you doing? And how many of us try to escape the actual question and try to do everything related to church? And God is trying to just sit down and, and tell you what, if you drink from the water that I'm giving you, you will never thirst. This woman is starting a conversation about worship. Like, can we fall back on the original conversation that's happening? Can we start off by how our hearts are actually doing before we even talk about revival? Can we understand the current condition of our heart before we want to get a taste of what the future condition of our heart can look like? Some of us, we need to start by having those real conversations from where we are at right now. Because the Jesus that is keen to work in your life cannot work with a falsified version of yourself. When you are not ready to come to terms with who you are in the now, how can you expect God to step into your now when you yourself are not willing to accept your current condition? See, this, this conversation that we see happen God took me to this one, one particular passage, or one particular phrase. By the time the woman came to terms by understanding that he is the Messiah, that's when things begin to change in that conversation. That's when things began to change in that particular conversation. And leaders, what I want to challenge you tonight is can we continue to be ourselves without trying to portray someone who we are not? You want to, you want to experience revival? You want to see God do some amazing works in your life and through your life? Tell the person next to you, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. And, and, and you see, right, for I realized this when, when, I was, when, when I was studying these particular scriptures with a bunch of other global leaders. The beauty of this scripture for you and me as Indians is so different rather than for someone in, in, in Southeast Asia or Europe or, or in, uh, in, in, the, in the far west as well. I'll tell you why. Let, let me give you a glimpse of this picture that, that, that we might have been so used to. When we think about uh, you know, taking a water jar and going to, find, uh, going to a well and pulling out water, this is what it looks like in our nation. Right? If you've been, in mission, if you've been to mission trips, right, you, you know what it is to, for, for a town, for a small town or a village to source or have access to drinking water. True story. I was this, uh, I've heard about this place which is close to one of my mom's uh, site. The, the, the village had, the people in the village had to walk about 32 kilometers, 32 or 35 kilometers to access uh, drinking water. In some cases, it's even more. And you know what, what that tells you and me? When, when, 
when we see these people, when we see these ladies who are walking with these jars and sometimes multiple jars and they're trying all those things just to make sure that the basic necessity of water can be taken care of, they learn to treasure that so much. They, they, they don't learn to treasure just the, just the water that is there. You know what they learn to treasure? They learn to treasure even those vessels that carry those water. You go to a town, you go to a village, and, and try stealing their, 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 their water jar. You won't come back alive from that town. I'm serious. That's how much they value drinking water. But when Jesus shows up in a conversation, like I said, things change, right? Let's go to verse 28. And somebody read that with me. Then the woman, what? Then the woman, what? The woman left her water jar and went into the city and began telling the people. And this is when, when, I, when I was reading this verse 20, 28, this is where I had those one of those pause moments. And I was like, in a town where water is essential for this woman, now I'm not. I'm not going to. We are not going to dive into the credentials and and the and the whole identity of this woman. But just think with me, if water is so significant, if the water jar is so significant, if the water jar signifies and helps us see a daily need, a dependency that this woman has. When it comes to the water jar, she decides to leave it. And this is a picture, it's not, there in the, it's not there written in the scripture, but this is, this is how I felt, you know, when, when I started just seeing this picture, Jesus, the well, the water jar. She just dropped the water jar in front of Jesus. And she ran to her town. Some of us, as leaders, as pastors, as people involved in ministry, have our own water jars that we need to drop in front of Jesus. I don't know what your water jar is tonight, but I can tell you, you are definitely holding on to some. I don't know if you have identified what your water jar is, but let me probe and let me push you to maybe think, is your ministry your water jar? Is the success of what you do for the kingdom your water jar? Because see, what, what can be a need in one point of time can also be something that can catch you in bondage and keep you in bondage from and keep you back from holding what Jesus wants to give you. See, Jesus already told her that I'm the one who's going to give you living water. And the mistake that we do as Christ followers, the mistake that we do as seasoned leaders is that we get so habituated to the water jar that when the living water is standing in front of you, when you have access to the one who gives you rivers of living water, you are still content with your water jar. And I'm here tonight to challenge some people in this room that do you have it in you to take that water jar and just leave it? Because there are a few things that can happen when you decide to do, when you decide to make that decision. You want to know what those few things are? There's a town that was waiting for her. At one point of time, 
they did not even want to maybe engage with her in conversations. But this time, somebody say this time. It was different. This time it was different because this time she was coming back to the town with the living water. She was coming back to town with the message of the good news, with the message of the gospel, with Jesus. And the life that was flowing in her and through her was captivating enough, was, was inviting enough to start a conversation with those same people who questioned her in one season are now willing to sit down and listen to her of all that Jesus had revealed to this woman. And the idea that I'm trying to get us to understand church is that the leaders of today, the leaders of the church of India need to learn what it means to drop their water jars. Come on, let, let's, let's, let's talk about those, those, those things for a bit more, right? Your, your identity in what you do in church can be a water jar. Your responsibilities of what you do for your pastors, for your leaders, for your communities can be your water jars. Your, your so-called persona of what you portray to the church can be your water jar. And today the Lord is challenging some of us tonight uh, that are you really willing to get hold of the living water where it will take you to leave that water jar? It's only when the woman decided to leave that back and she came back and she started talking to the people in the, in the, in the town they were willing to give her a listen, like I said. And, and that's when, this is, this is the second thing that can happen, right? The people in the town sit down with her. They say, okay, let, let us kind of go and explore who this person is. They, they meet with Jesus. They, they ask him, come and tell us about this truth. They, they, they get so fascinated that, that they make Jesus stay for how many days? Two days. They make Jesus stay for two days. And, and you and me can kind of just bypass this information. But these are the Samaritan folks that we are talking about, people. They're not your Jewish folks. They're not your Jewish buddies. They're not the same tribe. They, they are like, they've already cast their differences. They've already cast who they are, what their true identity is. And, and they are the ones who are telling Jesus, can you stay back for two days? Two more days. Two more days. Two more days. And what I feel so strong to share with you is that faith has the potential to fan the move of God in any demographic. Faith has the potential to fan the move of God in any demographic. So whether they're for you as a community, they're for you as a tribe, they're for you as an individual, if you're walking into that setting with, with, with faith, I want to tell you, Jesus can change the, 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 the atmosphere in that room. Jesus can really cause his plans and his will to be done in that room. You know, one of the things I, I realized that in our very early journey of church planting is that Jesus leveled the play field when he was here on earth. You know, it was no, no longer about how many times you go to church, how many times you tithe. It was no longer about how many times you, you follow the law and, and by, uh, by the book. It was about, are you able to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul? So you see, the, the, the level at which God, Jesus was, was doing missions was so different. And when we adapted that strategy, I want to sh share with you this one, one simple story that, that took place in our church. We had a lot of young students and, and young working folks. Uh, we were meeting at my house. 
the, the, the college students who started coming, most of them had no idea how to do church life, right? Man, I, I love to see what I saw over here, right? These, like, you guys are, like, ready. You have an expectant heart. You're like, okay, lift up your hands. You guys are so obedient, you know? You, you know, when I, the first few months when I had to tell the church to lift up their hands, only my wife would lift up her hands, you know? Those are the people I'm doing church with. And I was like, my goodness, God, this is like, I'm waiting to go like, oh, they're like, okay, what is this guy saying, you know? So we, we are doing church from that, like, grassroots level. We are trying to get these guys up, you know? And, and this is what God taught me. Ninan, how much of an appetite do you have to listen? We get so excited when it comes to sharing the good news. But before you and me go ahead and share the good news, can we hear what the people are going through? Okay, true story. I spent, I spent six hours in a coffee shop once. Now, this is not to brag about how patient I am because I lost my patience that day. Uh, <laughs> right? Six, six hours just talking to this person, just hear, not talking, just listening to this person about how he is going. Now, here's a crazy story, right? Somehow, somehow, this guy heard about our church through Instagram. So all those who guys are running social medias for your churches, keep it going, right? Yeah. Just want to encourage you, keep it going. Keep it going. You have, you have no idea how much of an impact you guys are making today in the digital space. We have seen prayers being answered. Some random person will be reaching out to us, pray for us. We prayed. We go back and check. They're saying, hey, my prayer has been answered. And I was like, okay, what is happening, God? So this guy, he reaches out to us through another random social media uh, channel and comes in. And he's like, bro, I'm an atheist. I was like, okay. No, he's like, are you sure I can come? I said, I said, did I say no? So he said, no, but are you sure I can be there? I said, no, you can be there. You know? He comes and he starts questioning about everything we are doing and, and why we believe in faith and, and why, you know, by the way, he's from Kenya. You know, so for about 12 months, this guy was bashing everything that we did, you know, yet he kept coming. Every week he used to come meet me and tell me, uh, I'm an atheist. I was like, okay, man, you've already told me that. Like, let's start talking about something else, you know, like, uh, first wave hit, lockdown hit, full swing, and, and we were doing just, you know, we had some students who could not get out uh, during that time until the restrictions had eased off a bit. You know how crazy it was in the first wave. And, and we were just kind of, you know, helping out some of the students, and he was one of them. And, and he saw something different that he had never seen before in a church life. Now, for the longest time, for about 15 months, he had never spoken to me about his family background. One day he says, Ninad, can, can we just go on a drive? So take him out for a drive. He starts opening up, tells me his parents were pastors. And what his problem was... He never had a problem with Christ. He had a problem with how Christ was demonstrated in the church versus how Christ was modeled in the home. And that's the biggest sickness that we have in today's 
ministry homes. The Jesus that we talk about in this setting versus the Jesus that we try to believe in in our private settings. Sometimes they, they both don't even look the same. And he said, you know, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I was the first one to show up at the church space. I used to sweep the floor. I used to make sure that the, that the floor was watered. I used to clean the space up just so that people could come and sit down and have church. I was the first one. Yet I have grown up in one of the most broken homes ever. Pastor's kid. Any PKs here? Pastor's kids. And, and you see, right? He's, still th he's telling me all of this. I don't know why he started talking to me. I didn't even start asking him the questions on the lines of church. And he said, this is why I stopped going to church. This is why I hate the church so much. And he just kept on going about the hurt and the pain and, and the trauma that he had experienced when he was growing up as a kid and as a teenager. Until one day we sat in the coffee shop once again. This time it was not six hours. It was, it was slightly less. And he, he started venting out to me and he said, you know what, I don't have a problem with God, man. I have a problem with how God is modeled in today's time and age. And I just told him one thing. I said, bro, I know there are people like you who have gone through a lot. But let me just tell you one thing. If Jesus were to come in person and stand in front of you and tell you that I am the way, the truth, and the light, I just have one request to you, I told him. Don't deny him and at that moment. Don't deny him at that moment. I have a text that I can show to you. The next day, I have like three missed calls at 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, I don't know what happened. I call him back and he's like, I need to meet you, Ninat. Long story short, I meet him. Before I meet him, I get this text. He's like, bro, something out of the world has happened. 5.30 in the morning, Jesus came into my room. I don't need anyone else to tell me that Jesus is alive because he gave me the biggest hug ever. <laughs> now, now, let me also tell you this. That guy is still work in progress. So I'm not going to glorify the story too much. But what I want to tell you is this. Can you check your appetite when it comes to listening before you start sharing the good news? Sometimes what it can take is to just sit in that coffee shop, is to just sit on that couch, is to just sit over that phone call, is to just continue that WhatsApp conversation, is to just continue that sense of encouragement and just keep a posture open to listen until God tells you, speak. Some of us are so, so caught up in sharing. No wonder people are not listening to you today. No wonder the, the message of the gospel is not exponentially going out because we are so caught up in speaking but not listening. And here's the, here's the deciding thing, right? Here's the difference. When this woman, she, you know, when she would have tried to have some other conversations, it went nowhere. 
but that one encounter with Jesus when that one right time came the entire town was willing to listen to her the entire town was willing to change their weekend plans i don't know if they had to go to toilet if they had to go to a weekender if they had to go to the concert or wherever they canceled all of those plans they put it on hold because they had wanted to experience something better so before you start speaking listen leaders are listeners who are you listening to and what are you listening to see because the fields are ready the fields are ready people have a spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst people out there have it in them to to explore this god factor it has been layered with so many things we just need that patience we just need that 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 leading from the lord to cut through all of that and find out what the actual challenge is the one what i want to get to the heart of this conversation is your availability to god it opens up possibilities for others around you to encounter his grace you being available to listen you being available to just just be there can make a massive difference in so many people's lives if you really want to make 2022 any different from the way how we have been doing life we have been doing ministry we have been doing missions Here's the first challenge for you tonight. Drop the pot. Drop the pot. Somebody tell the person who's sitting next to you or standing next to you, tell them drop the pot. Leave that water jar. That's what I'm trying to say, basically. Leave that water jar. Jesus won't be able to work with you if you're not able to be honest in his presence. I know we have been saved by grace but we still live in a fallen and a broken world and this heart and this spirit and this soul is still being renewed every single day. So don't you stop that renewal process. Don't let your ministry success, don't let the impact of all that you have done and all that God has done through you stop you from being spiritually renewed every single day of your life. That's where you and me get stuck. when you and me associate with our needs and our wants and our false limited identities that's what it means to hold on to your jar so i want to tell you drop the jar second thing focus on the food focus on the food jesus was laser focused on building the kingdom of god whatever risk it took he was willing to take that risk if it meant going against the religious leaders of that time he did that if it meant doing things in a controversial ways he did that if it meant going you know the extra mile of being available for people he did that but he did all of that making sure that he was still in alignment to the ultimate will of the father the church needs to fall back in alignment to the ultimate will of the father good news is is good but god is after the holistic transformation of humans 
And, and that's what we're going to be diving into later, but I, I'll save that for, for, for a later part. But what I want to tell you is that Jesus desires that we are consumed by his will for humanity. It's his desire. And the reason I love that, Jesus, who's the, who's, who's the beginning and the end, right? Like the scriptures say, who knows everything, who knows what's going to happen, who had probably, John had probably decided what Jesus is going to do. That's why he starts writing John 4 in this way, right? He says that Jesus was supposed to go from, from Judea uh, to, to the other place, but he had to what? Cut through Samaria. Now, if John was so confident about what Jesus was going to do, and if the plans of Jesus changed, that tells me how focused Jesus is on the ultimate will of the Father. Even if it means I need to stall for two days, I will do that. Even if it means if I need to slow down my ministry for two days or for two years or for two months, I will do that. And that's a tough one, right? Oh, Ninad, we, we need to go to all the corners of the world and share the gospel. Yes. But it includes staying and parking yourselves in those moments where God says stop and pause. The idea that I'm trying to help you is just be open and be willing to focus on the food that is the ultimate will of God so that all humanity can be restored to God. And all of this will never be possible if you don't make yourself available to the fields that are ready. I, I just spoke to you about some time back about how you and me, we have the biggest opportunity of our lives to engage with some of the people you and me are doing life with on, 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 on a daily basis. Some of them or most of them are found at your workplaces they're found in your communities. They're found in the, in the spaces where you live. They're found in your neighborhoods. They're the ones who are kind of, you know, journeying with you, doing life. They are the ones where you and me can start off with. We don't need another crusade, guys. We don't need another mission trip. We don't need another, another, another uh, you know, bunch of people coming together and trying to do things. God has equipped every single one of you with the good news of the gospel. Your testimony is powerful enough. I love stirring up people when it comes to their own testimony. You know why? Because no one else can dictate that for you. That's your personal experience. Show of hands if you have a testimony. Show of hands if Jesus has saved you, redeemed you, and called you for his kingdom. And yet you are telling me that you don't feel equipped Yet you'd, you'd, you'd say to yourself that I'm not good enough. Yet you say to yourself that I'm so limited. Your testimony is the biggest witness of why you believe in the good news of, of the gospel. So make yourself available to the fields that are ready to be harvested. You don't need to, you don't need to wait for that big, thus says the Lord moment. That has already happened. But the Great Commission was given. That has already happened. That is, if anybody is looking for that, it's already happened. But right now, somebody say right now. This is our time. This is your time. 
Amen. This is your time, church. This is our time to kind of just write on all that Jesus has asked us to do. So I want us to kind of just circle back on this one thing once again. What's it going to take for you to drop your water jar? Because last thing I want to share with you on the same lines is if that lady... If that woman would have held on to her water jar, she would have reached Samaria. But maybe, just maybe, they may not have been the same amount of people who, who were willing to listen to her. And I'm not saying that God is going to stop all that He wants to do through you. But maybe, if you decide to let go of those things that are trying to hold you back, you can run faster, you can be stronger, you can run further for the work of the kingdom. Because this is a marathon, man. This is not a 100-meter sprint. You're not in it just for another two years, three years, five years. You're in it until the last breath. Until the last breath, you and me will serve Jesus. Until the last breath, you and me will continue to expand the kingdom of God. Until you and me will co-labor co and co-partner with Jesus, who said that I will build my church. So this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And because this is a marathon, I want to encourage you. And I want to remind you, it's worth dropping those water jars. Because you're in it with your life, you won't regret dropping those water jars. So, I just, I brought you to the space and I want to leave this conversation between you and God right now to just uh, ask, ask God, look into your life and see what are the water jars that you just need to leave. So that you can run stronger, you can run faster, and you can run longer. Can I just ask every single person to just maybe stand up to your feet and, and just take this time to have that conversation with Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what are the things that you need to lay at His feet. Come on, why don't you just lift up your hands to Him tonight and just... Just dive into this entire moment. Just dive into this atmosphere right now. Of what the Holy Spirit is stirring inside your heart. Of the very things that He's highlighting. Say, God, I'm ready to leave that water jar. God, I'm ready to run stronger. I'm ready to run faster. And I'm willing to run longer, God, for the sake of your kingdom. Father, you know exactly where we stand in our journey with you. You know exactly, Lord, what are the things that we need to let go of so that we can, we can truly do life on your terms. We can truly do life on your terms. 
pray God for every single person in this room that you would grant them the grace Holy Spirit that you would reveal to them the beauty and the hope of your calling for them Father I pray Lord even for those who are watching the stream Jesus reach out to them Holy Spirit stir a fresh fire and a fresh passion for the glory of your name let your will be done and let your kingdom come in our hearts first lord just want to give you the glory honor and praise in jesus name we pray